praying versus saying because people get kind of confused about this so we're gonna go over it and just kind of see in mark 11 verse 22 uh, well i'll tell you i'll start with verse 12 if you don't mind we'll start there mark 11 verse 12 jesus is walking along and it says the next day they had, when they, they had come out from bethany he was headed you know into jerusalem right and uh says uh seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Now understand this. The tree wasn't necessarily illegal, for it was not the season for figs. Huh? It was not the season for figs. However, don't let this escape you. I hear people say it all the time. And I, I'm not judging anybody. If you said it around me, I don't think nothing about you. But the church of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, has got to quit saying stuff like this. Well, today's just not my day. You know, I just didn't get any sleep last night. I just don't feel good today, right? We have got to quit using excuses. They don't belong to us. The people who say that don't have God living in them. I just don't feel like worshiping today. I just don't feel like reading the Bible tonight. I just don't feel like it, you know. I don't feel like praying in tongues. If you don't see this example, if you've never seen it before, see it now. The tree had leaves. It wasn't even supposed to have figs according to nature. But do you realize in the kingdom of God we've been brought above nature? You've been brought above how you feel. You've been brought above how long your legs are, how long you can hold your breath. All that dumb stuff doesn't matter anymore. Jesus looked at the tree and said, curse you. You ought to have figs on you. It wasn't the natural season for figs, but Jesus was bringing us into the spiritual season for figs, which is when you produce day in and day out every day. Every day we produce fruit. Don't matter how you feel. Amen. Feelings are secondary. <laughs> Can you read it? Look at what it says. He found nothing but leaves because it wasn't a season for figs. In response to it not being uh, the season for figs. Can you hear the excuses of the people of God? I can't give anything. I don't have anything. Won't ever give anything, get anything either unless you give first. It's called faith. It's a different way than the way the world works. But everybody, all these people want to be called out of the world. They just don't want to come out of the world. They all want to be called out of the world. They just don't want to come out of the world. When God calls you out of the world, first thing you got to do is take a step and come out of the world. Otherwise, he's calling and you're just standing. And then you're saying, oh, but God, you won't help me. He's like, I gave you legs. I don't have your legs. Your legs belong to you. You walk it out. I gave you a mind. I didn't give you my mind. I gave you your mind with your own thoughts, your own personality, your own will. It's what makes you you. Now, you use what I gave you and you walk it out. Amen. And that's why Jesus said... In verse 22, we'll get to this. I'm, not, I'm just going to read it for you. Have faith in God. <laughs> well, we'll get there. Anyway, he looks at the tree. He says, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That doesn't sound like a curse word to us, does it? I'm going to tell you something. 
when somebody in faith says something like that, it is a heavy-hitting thing. When Jesus said it, the next day they walked by and that tree was dead, withered up completely from the, from the roots up. They remembered hearing it. In 24 hours, that sucker was dead. And exactly what he declared had come to pass. No one would ever eat a fruit off of that thing again. And they were amazed, right? Isn't that kind of the story? Isn't that kind of the story? Look at verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, the second morning, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Teacher, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Like he was surprised. Jesus got on to him for being surprised because he should have faith. Yes. People say, you can't have expectations of God. Jesus expected things of his father all the time. If he didn't walk in expectation, nothing would have happened. Jesus answered Peter and said, have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And then 24, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you, when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. This is what we'll be dealing with today in the last part. And whenever you stand praying, if, anyone have, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. Okay? And you know verse 26. If you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. Right? We got, man, we got people calling themselves Christians, and I believe they really are. I believe they've made the declaration of faith. I don't think they know how serious God is about if you don't forgive others, you're not getting in. That's not our message for today, but we should make sure people understand that. You will go to hell if you don't forgive other people. I don't know any other way to say it. I don't know any other way to say it. There's no forgiveness for you unless you can release others of everything. And I know that people make all these, you know, there's all this gray area with people, well, so it's just so hard to forgive somebody, you know. Tell you what, let me make it easy for you. Don't focus on them. Focus on all your sins that God forgave you. That makes it easy. Just forget that you're so good and they were so bad to you. And just remember how bad you are before the Father and He just washed your sins away. And that makes it easy and it can be done quickly and then you don't have to worry about it. And if you have trouble realizing what your sins are, go read the Ten Commandments. Read the law. You go back and read the law, and it'll remind you of how sinful you are and how even your heart, just a thought in your heart, blocks you from heaven. And it'll bring it all back and make it fresh. It'll make it easy to forgive people because let me tell you something. You start thinking about all the things that we miss and we want to be set free from and in Christ are set free from, it ought to be easy to forgive people. You say, that's so easy for you, but you haven't. No, but everybody has something. And forgiveness is a principle. You do it in principle. <laughs> it doesn't matter the magnitude, does it, of, of the offense. It's a principle. Right? 
Am I right about that? Just like faith is a principle. It doesn't matter the magnitude of faith. Didn't Jesus teach us that? We talked about it Wednesday night if you're on the live stream thing. We talked about, hey, that's why it doesn't matter, but it could be a seed, a mustard seed of faith because it's not the amount of faith. It's the principle of faith. Faith is a legal principle. That's why any amount will do because once you exercise the legal principle, it's done. It doesn't, it's not like you got to have a dump truck load of faith because they got a dump truck load of evil coming against you. It don't work that way. They got a dump truck load of evil coming against you, but if you can simply believe in who Christ Jesus is, the dump truck's gone. Because it's a legal principle. The power of God is surging on your behalf, waiting for you to license it. Did you hear what I said? All the power of the kingdom of God is surging on your behalf, waiting to come to your rescue. And all it takes is that one little mustard seed to license it. You sign that sheet in faith and it moves on your behalf. That's how God's working behind the scenes. That's why, otherwise Jesus would be a liar when he said, hey, it don't take, don't worry about, because remember in Luke 17, they told him, they said, increase our faith. His father said, increase our faith. He said, y'all know how this works. It's not an increasing thing. You don't need an increase in faith. If you have faith, you have the it that it takes. It's the act. <laughs> he was teaching them that, right? He was saying, look, it doesn't take a mountain. You don't have to have enough faith to equal the amount of evil. Amen. It's not like that because you got a God that's way more equal than the amount of evil. That's the point. That's why he was saying, you know, greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. Greater, you know, more are they that are with us than are with him. You see all these principles in the Bible. It's teaching you the forces on your side are greater than the forces against you. What needs to happen is you need to license it by your free will, your free agency. Amen. You need to license it. Right? They're ready to move. It's not their problem. <laughs> they were equipped for this. <laughs> Ministry spirits go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Surround us by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Surround the building. Protect us today. Station yourselves in the parking lot all throughout the place. Deliver us from any people, any spirits that have in evil intent against us in Jesus' name. Jesus name so you know you begin to you begin to see that what what's lacking is me and I know you don't want to believe you're that important and I know that maybe some of you have been preached to and told it's, it's not about you it's about God and really you know on the one hand it's not but that's a very sim simplistic view because on yeah, it, it's not about. It, let me. Let me. I want to try to be less simplistic and a little more inclusive. It's not about your will per se, unless your will aligns with God's. But when your will aligns with God, it is about you. Amen. And the, the whole deal is God made the earth for you, and He gave the earth to you and all of creation. So on some level, it is about you. And He made free agents, men that should rule over this thing for him in his will, in accordance with his glory and his plan, his counsel, right? So on some level, it definitely is about you, right? Because if it wasn't about you, he wouldn't have sent his son to die for you. And I know it sounds a lot more religious and a lot more selfless to say it's not about you. It has nothing to do with you. 
But Jesus spent his whole ministry saying, it's about you. I've come to call the lost and bring you back in. I've come to show you that God wants to indwell you. Good grief, it's not about you. Would he live in you? Would he live in you? (laughs) Would he indwell you? Would he give the kingdom to you? So I think it doesn't need to be so simplistic. We need to see it for what it really is, you know. It's a plan, and we are involved. And only by his grace. It's not by anything we did. Nobody's suggesting that. You didn't create yourself. You didn't design yourself. You didn't give yourself your talents. But my goodness, you can thank him that you have them. And you can be like a little chickadee on a limb sitting there. All he knows he's doing is talking, but he's singing and he's praising God without even knowing it because that's what God created him to do. And when he's doing what he's supposed to do, he's praising God, right? And jumping from limb to limb, just singing, and the other ones are doing it too. And God's listening saying, I love that. It's just what I created them to do. They're doing it. (laughs) Think about what he says about you when you're doing what he called you to do. Amen. So it's anyway, he says, uh, there, there are three aspects here in Mark 11. The first aspect deals with what you say. The second aspect, and, and let's say this, the first aspect is in verse 23, okay? Verse 23 deals with your saying. Verse 24 deals with your praying. And there's a forgotten aspect in which neither of those will work without it, Okay? Love. Yeah, you're going to have to have faith too. But in this, the way this is presented in verse 25, whenever you stand praying, you have anything against anybody else, forgive them. But forgiveness, understand, is love. Because if you forgive somebody, you're loving them. Overall, that's the principle, okay? God, for God so loved the world that he forgave them. You with me? Does it make sense? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the forgiveness part. It came through his son, but, but it was because of this love, right? All right, so this is how you, you, you function as far as the kingdom of God is concerned, okay? And many people leave out one part or the other part, and they don't get a complete picture of what God's trying to do. And a lot of times in church, even, in, in, even the theology of movements have accidentally, they accidentally end up blaming God for things by saying he doesn't do this anymore, or he doesn't do that anymore. And, 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 you know, they don't mean it. What they do is they examine the world around them. They don't see God doing certain things, and they say, well, he must not do them. And, but, but the reason they make an attribution like that is they don't understand his kingdom. They don't understand their part. They don't understand this as it's written. Because, see, if you just read this as biblical poetic language, it sounds good, doesn't it? And, I mean, you can go on any of a, of a thousand websites, and, and people will be glad to explain this to you, and they don't understand the difference between saying and praying. As a matter of fact, they loop them together as if your saying is really praying. Let's not. It's not, it couldn't, couldn't be further from, the, from you know, the truth. And so look at what he's saying here. He deals with saying first. This is what he tells him. Remember, regarding the fig tree, right? He starts it all off with this. Have faith in God. 
Have faith in God. Now, verse 23. What does assuredly mean? Immutably. This ain't going to change. <laughs> I promise you. Right. This is solid with God, right? Assuredly. Boy, if we taught that in all the churches like he meant it right here. Assuredly, if you say something God's given you and you don't doubt it, it'll happen. Whew. Wow. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, this spiritual impediment in your way, blocking you from the will of God or the path of God in your way. Right? Surely I say to you. Now look at here. I love this part. Think of your example. We want to read this, then think of our example. Whoever says this mountain be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, believes he'll receive it, right? Okay. Did Jesus walk up to the fig tree? All right, let's pretend that that's the fig tree, all right? See all these beautiful colored figs on this thing? Yeah. How did he deal with it? Because he's your example. I want you to understand, Jesus is the Christ. The Christ means the anointed man. So Jesus is the pattern for all of the anointed men and women to follow, right? That's why he's not called God on earth. He's called the second Adam, the son of God, the son of man, right? We got that. All right. So he walks up. Now, he's going to show me how to deal not with God, but with mountains. Because See, there's two issues here. My praying is dealing with God. My saying is dealing with mountains, got to do both most people are praying to their mouth they're praying about their mountains instead of praying to god and speaking to their mountains this is what it looks like you get it wrong ready lord please make it where this tree never produces fruit again please father please father help me in this hang on him hang on him that's not the way the kingdom works. God's not going to leave his throne and come down here and fight my little battles for me. He fought the war and won. Right. Ephesians 3, first part of that chapter says, He has completed this thing that he begun before the foundation of the world in Christ. It's done. He's completed it. So what does it look like when you do it like Jesus did? Jesus didn't walk around and say, Father in heaven, curse this thing and don't ever let it produce fruit. No, 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 no. Like so many, like 90% of the people you've heard pray in your life. And 90% of the people didn't get answers. And that's why 90% of the theology says God don't do this stuff anymore because 90% of the theologians are wrong. Because theology doesn't win. Faith in that word right there wins. It's the only thing that wins, folks. Jesus is the word. In the beginning of his word, the word was with God, the word was God. <laughs> Jesus said, you got to eat my body, drink my blood. You got to eat the word daily, and then you got to receive it by the spirit of God, the blood. Right? Jesus walked over and said, be cursed in the name. Well, he is Jesus. He didn't have to say it. I'm using it like I would. Be cursed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May it never produce fruit again. That's what you say to sickness. Sickness, you'll never produce fruit in me again. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are dead. You leave my body. You're passed out like waste. 
You're never thought of again. You're a byword in Jesus' name. Because the word of God says, I am healed by his wounds and his stripes. As I stand now, I am healed. And do not doubt in your heart, and you shall receive what you sayeth. You know what that says? Mark 11. And Jesus, the best I can tell, do you read English? I read English. In English it says, assuredly I say unto you, assuredly I say unto you, that if you do these things, right? Are you reading it? I know I can hear it. The Spirit's telling me, people saying, it's too good to be true. It hadn't happened for me. I'm going to show you the rest of it. The thing of it is, though, that has to be done. So your saying has to be done. And, and there are examples. I'll give you a couple of examples here. The first one being how G Jesus dealt with the tree. You could take any example you want, but you could use Jesus and Lazarus when you go raise him from the dead. Jesus walks up. All these people around. I don't know how many, but uh, there are people around for sure. We know that from the story, right? And, and he, he, he literally forgets they're there. I mean, he doesn't, but he pretends, you know, it's basically like they're not there. And he says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. That's what he said. All these people around waiting for some kind of miracle, he don't, he's not dealing with them. It's between him and his daddy. And he says, Daddy, I think you always hear me when I pray because Jesus knows something people in this room don't know. If God hears you, you got it. Because in 1 John it says, For we know if God heareth us, we have what we ask for when we pray. For we know if God heareth us, we have what we ask for in prayer. We know if he hears us, we have it. We know if he hears us, we have it. That's why Jesus taught his people, Hey, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. Because if you use vain repetitions, like the Pharisees do, it means you don't really believe he's heard you. You don't believe you have what you've asked for. It's evidence of unfaith. <laughs> That's not even my word, but you understand what I'm saying, right? That's why he said, don't use vain repetitions. Your father knows you. Talk to him like you would your own dad. And when you ask, know he's heard you. If he's heard you, then he's heard you. And if he's heard you, and it's in accordance with his will and counsel it's yours and don't you remember jesus said that don't don't be praying like they do all these vain repetitions because they think by their many many repetitions they will be heard jesus said repetition doesn't get you heard relationship gets you heard and he had such a relationship with his daddy that he stood there in front of all those people in faith believing that a dead man was about to rise up out of a grave. And he said, Daddy, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And then he didn't say, Daddy, if you will, raise Lazarus for me. Because that would have been outside the realm of the saying. That doesn't follow the pattern of what we've been taught in the kingdom of God, but that's what most people do. And they don't get an answer. Because God doesn't work things our way. He works things his way. And we fit into his kingdom. He's not fitting into ours. Right? And so instead, after having thanked his father, in faith as the Christ, the anointed man, thanking his father, he says, and it says he cried it out. So he wasn't scared. 
Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say, Daddy, if you will, if it be your will, if it be your will for his life, if, if you didn't kill him because of some sin, you know. Y'all you, you hear mealy mouth prayers like that? That's what I call them all the time. Hey, look, if you don't know God's will in a situation, just don't declare anything. Don't even ask for nothing. No, I'm serious. I know that sounds terrible. Don't ask for anything. Instead, focus your energy on finding out his will before you open your mouth. Don't pray for something if you don't know it's his will. What was, I mean, people, if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're actually owning up to, I don't know God very well. It is true. I heard somebody say that's true. It is true. But they've never considered it because they don't really walk that closely with him. And I'm not trying to indict them. I'm trying to make them recognize it when they listen. Nobody's trying to indict you. But we want you to know how closely you can walk with God that his inner voice will tell you his will before you get there. Don't you know that's why Jesus said, I thank you that you always hear me? Because Jesus had already said, this not his will that this should end in death. He already knew what was going on with Lazarus because he walked so closely with his father. And he's the pattern. He's the second Adam for all the other sons of God. Walk so closely with your father that you know what his will is so that when you get there, you can declare what is and not what may be. Because maybe he doesn't win the day. Maybe cause you to lose. Because if there's a maybe in your heart, the devil will expose it. If there's any reason why it may not be God's will, you be healed. He's going to remind you what that reason is, and you're not getting healed. If you got a situation that's wrong in your physical self or in, in, in the world in general, in your, and there's any reason you'll incriminate your cell phone that Satan can bring up in your head to undo your faith, believe me, he knows it, and he will do it. That's why Jesus said, just know it, say it, don't doubt. Know it, say it, don't doubt. You can't doubt, don't doubt. Now, if I tell you, I know what Catherine's going to want to do. I know exactly what she's going to want to do. This is what we're going to do. And I turn around and say, I hope this is what she wants to do. I'm in trouble, aren't I? I don't really know what she wants to do, do I? And I don't really have faith in what I'm doing, do I? So if I say, Lord, will you heal me if it be your will? What am I saying? I don't know what you want for me. I can't be solid in something where I'm being tossed back and forth. Can I? People want to do that, though. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they say, well, I have, of course I have faith. I have faith, but they pray in a way that's not faithful. Uh, again, not incriminating them, trying to expose how we operate in things that block us from the goodness of a good God. Yes. From the goodness of a great God who loves us. But he literally created you a free agent and he will not contrive a way to make you do something. He set you where you can, you can just go and live and move outside of him if you want to. He, he literally gave us that much freedom. Yeah. I, I heard somebody say, there was this thing on Facebook, y'all. Church people. Woo! Church people, it can be a problem. 
Good grief. More, more faulty doctrine comes from church people. At least the world doesn't act like they know God, right? So they don't mess things up. But somebody put something on there, and they meant well. They meant well. It was one of those little meme things you put on Facebook. And it said something to the effect of, the Holy Spirit doesn't just make you dance and speak in tongues and all this kind of stuff. He also will, he also will make you shut your mouth and, and be in, 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 in a, under authority or whatever. And I understand what they're trying to say. All these Holy Spirit people that run all over everybody praying in tongues, yelling and screaming and doing all this junk and just causing confusion is wrong. But the truth is, see, the whole premise is wrong. And it didn't help what they put out there because it's false doctrine too. Because the truth is, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you do anything. He's not going to shut you up either. He's not going to make you come under authority, and he doesn't make you run around and dance. He doesn't make you run around and pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you do anything. What's the first time you see the Holy Spirit doing something with a man, really, in the New Testament type setting? You know what it is? He led Jesus into the wilderness. But you know what that means? Jesus followed into the wilderness. He didn't make him go. And the church still hadn't learned this 2,000-something years since this happened. And we still talk about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, make me, make me better. He ain't going to make you anything. He's going to lead you, though, if you'll listen and then walk. Right? Anyway, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. He did. All right, so we, we understand the speaking part now, right? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You remember how he, he dealt with the with, with legion, with the with the, the, the all the all the demonic beings, you know, unclean spirits that were in him. He just started talking to them. He didn't even talk to to legion, did he? The guy. He didn't even talk to him. He started talking to them. He said, "Y'all coming out? Come out." Oh, don't make us go out. Uh, 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 can we go into the pigs? They started talking back, didn't they? He didn't say, Father, if it be your will, drive these things out of this man. But that's what so many people are praying. He had to deal with him with him himself. That, and, and so now let's go into the praying part, which is verse 24, because we talked about the saying. The saying is, y'all coming out in Jesus' name. You're out in Jesus' name. Sickness, you're gone in Jesus' name. Mountain be moved in Jesus' name, right? Amen. All right, so we know that. But now let's talk about the praying part, because you've got to do a bunch of praying. You've got to do a bunch of praying, and this is something we really want to deal with. Luke 5.16 says this. Luke 5.16 tells us it gives us kind of a background of how jesus was so successful and this is what it says so he himself that means jesus so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed all right mark 135 i want to read this too to get this on the record for everybody now in the morning having risen a long time a long while before daylight he jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So you understand, Jesus wasn't just God walking around saying this stuff. He was the anointed man. He was dealing with the threat the way the kingdom is set up for him to deal with it. But he also had to pray, just like a man. 
You understand? So when he was getting up early and going and praying, what kind of things do you think he was praying? For hours, what was he praying? I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you. No, go ahead. I want to read it to you. You ready? Okay. I would read it like you're used to hearing it, but I want to read it like he prayed it and like you should pray it. Okay? So it sounds a little different, just a little bit different. You ready? My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. Do not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He was praying some level of that. That's the condensed version of what he spent his time talking with his father about now i know you're used to hearing it sung or prayed and we say we there ain't no we in this the reason jesus said our father is because he had just told 12 men this is how you should pray so he's relaying it to them and he says oh you ought to say something all of you ought to say something like this our father who art in heaven you understand that's not what he was saying jesus wasn't going out there and saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be he was saying daddy Daddy, who is in heaven, right? He was talking. He was praying to his father who heard him. Make sense? Now look at what he said. Why would he say my father in heaven? I mean, it's true. The father's in heaven. But why would he say it? One of the reasons he would say that is so you and I wouldn't be confused and neither would the father even be confused about his faith level because if god's in heaven where is he on earth you, you do realize the plan right at the end of all things we're going to be with the father he's not going to be in heaven separated from us there's going to be one heaven the new heaven and earth are going to be brought together so you understand the time context is being set up by this prayer then don't you do you understand the time context He's praying to a father who's in heaven. He's not talking about things that will come later when things are joined. Everything he's praying for, he's saying now because his father's in heaven and he's on earth. And that's the context for you. Everything he's praying, he's praying to a father who's in heaven while you're on the earth. That's your time context. It means N-O-W now. Does it make sense? My Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, may what I do today glorify your name and bring you great renown. Not in the world. Come on, hear me now. He ain't talking about something. Oh, I just pray that this happens. No, he's talking about between me and you, God. May what I do today. This is his personal prayer. May what I do today, may what you do through me today, hallow your name, Father. 
And that means to make holy, to make sacred, to revere heavily. May what happens in my life today bring you great glory and fame, Father. May it cause people to see how great you are. Remember the 24-hour cycle. He's praying for one day. Praying for one day. Daddy in heaven, glorified be your name. May you be glorified through me. Your name be glorified through me today. Your kingdom come in me today. Not just generally. This is not a general prayer, folks. May your kingdom come in my life today. You're in heaven. I'm on the earth. May your kingdom come in my life today. Not talking about later on when the new heaven and new earth are joined. Do you understand the time context now that I'm talking about? Because that's what most people are doing. They're thinking, no, that's not his context. And I want to give you an example of how you know that's not his context. In Luke 17, 21. This is what he said. I'll just, I'll, uh, let's see. Let's get it real quick. Oh, I went to John 17, 21, sorry. I'll get there. The kingdom of God, uh, in, in 20, sorry, John 17, 20. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, you're not going to see buildings that say kingdom of God on them. That's what most people are looking for. They're looking to see miracles sovereignly happening and the chariots of God running up and down the streets. They're thinking that Jesus is pointing to a time when all this is going on, but the time context is not that time. It's now. And this is what he's teaching us here in this part of Luke. He says, the kingdom does not come through visual observation. It's not going to be a physical kingdom. We're not talking about at the end when it is a physical kingdom. We're talking about now. He says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, what does he say? The kingdom of God is where? In you. The kingdom of God is within you. And so you understand Jesus' prayer in terms of that. Does that make sense? He's saying, your kingdom come in my life today. May it glorify you. Who is saying? And buddy, you better believe it did. That's why he was able to say, Lazarus, get up. Because the kingdom of God flowed through his life that day and glorified his father. You understand? Exactly what the man prayed came to pass. Exactly what the man prayed came to pass. And he had prayed it and meditated on it for hours and hours and hours. And by faith, he believed what he prayed would come to pass. And that's why standing there, he said, I thank you, Father. You always hear me when I pray because I've been praying for hours that your kingdom would come in this moment now in my life today that your kingdom would glorify you. May it come forth. Lazarus, come out. And he did, and the kingdom of God flowed through that man. It's a pattern of how you live, both your praying and your saying. Amen? It's a pattern of how you live. 
He's literally sharing the secrets of the kingdom of God with us. Remember, he says, I'll give you the kingdom of God. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound. Whatsoever you loose shall be loosed in heaven as well. This is it. He's showing us the secrets of the kingdom of God. He's showing us how to move in the unseen realm of the things that are higher than what happens on the earth. Higher even than Satan and the angels and all that stuff. Somebody say, Amen. That's amazing, but he is doing it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Look at the rest of it, if you will. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me, in my life. May it bring you glory today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me, in my life today. And so when Jesus preached, he expect people to get saved. When Jesus, when he released people from devils, he knew they had to flee. He had already prayed it. And guess what? John I think it's 1 John 5, 16 says, for we know that if the Father hears us, we have what we ask for when we pray. Who do you think John learned that from? Jesus. Because Jesus knew that his Father heard him. He said, I know I have what I ask for when I pray. Thank you, Father, that you always hear me. You know, he didn't even bother. Come on, can you hear me? He didn't even bother to say, Father, I thank you that you always answer me. That was a given. My father loves me. If I call out, he's going to answer me. That's a given. I just want to make sure he heard me. That's what he said. It's a, it's a fallen thing to be scared that your daddy will answer you. A daddy that loves you will answer you always. I know you don't see that on the earth. That's why Jesus said, don't look at these things. Look up in heaven where you're seated alongside Christ Jesus. Set your mind on the things above. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can what? Understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Man, thank you, Lord Jesus. This is what he said. This is what he said. Your kingdom come. And he was talking about what he had already taught. He's not teaching two different things. Jesus is not split-brained. He's not talking about the end when, when the kingdom of heaven comes down. He's talking about now. And he said, let your kingdom come in me. Because remember he said, for the kingdom of God is within you. Kingdom of God is within you. He wasn't just saying stuff, folks. He was living it. The kingdom of God is in him. Let your kingdom come in me. Your will be done through me. Your will be done through me. Let me be obedient to what you say. Let me not enter into temptation. Amen. That's what he was saying. Hallelujah. And look, it changes. Well, let me finish first. You know it's now. Not just because he said you're in heaven, but look at what he says next. On earth, as it is in heaven. Has anybody ever said anything more powerful than that? Father, let your kingdom flow through me. Let it be where I am on the earth just as it is in heaven today, now. Let it flow through me today. Let it be on this earth in this fallen, corrupt place just as it is where you are in heaven. Because in heaven, the dead are raised. In heaven, sickness is cast out. In heaven, demons have no power and they go running. And everywhere Jesus went, isn't that what you saw? If a person was blind, they wouldn't be blind in heaven, would they? So when Jesus 
believed what the father had heard, he looked at blind people and said, receive your sight. Because he had spent hours thanking the father and praying the father that the way it is in heaven would come forth from him in today's life. Amen. Now, you know, if you know Matthew 6, 33, what does it teach us? Seek ye first the kingdom of and its righteousness. And then it goes into your part. You understand, it teaches seeking first the kingdom of God. And then it says, and if you do that, all your provision, all, all these other things shall be added, right? I want you to notice that the Lord's prayer mirrors that perfectly. Look at what we've been dealing with. First, he hallows the name of the Father. He says, may, may your name be hallowed through me. Then he deals with seeking first the kingdom when he teaches us how to pray. He, don't, he said, don't ask for your junk first. Ask that God's stuff will flow through you first, that you would produce fruit for the kingdom first. And literally, that's what his prayer does. Look at it. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Having dealt with the kingdom first and sought the kingdom first. Then he goes into secondary things. Give me this day my daily bread. That's exactly Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom, all these other things shall be added. And then, forgive me my debts. He didn't have any, but he's teaching us how to pray. Forgive me my debts. Not just forgive me my debts, but forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtors. Let it be unto me as I've done to others. Right? Principle of the kingdom of God. And Father, do not lead me into temptation. Instead, deliver me from evil. Yeah, Jesus had a deliverance ministry. He had a deliverance ministry. He was, he was into delivering people from satanic forces. His mission statement mostly dealt with delivering he said he said the power of god is upon me to release the blind to set free the oppressed you remember his luke four sixteen, all those things he's basically delivering people now look at the last part of it if you will and then he gives god the glory for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory kingdom is like uh the authority that makes a kingdom possible so yours is the authority. In other words, it's yours to start with. You can do whatever you want with it, God. Not only that, you have the supernatural power. That's the power part, dunamis. All right? He says, and may the glory be yours forever and ever. Now, just think, if you prayed that every day and you believed it, because I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you. It's kind of important that we see this. It's First John five fifteen, is where it needs to be. Look at look at what he says. <coughs> John says this. I'll start in fourteen because it's kind of cool too. He says, "Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us." And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we've asked of him. Mm -hmm. 
And he learned that from Jesus because he had seen Jesus say, I thank you, Father, that you hear me when I pray. And then he would say something like, Lazarus, come forth. And literally, death's grip on the human body was defeated and the glory of God would flow through his life just as he had prayed. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me today just as it is in heaven. Right? Amen? It is amazing, to say the least. <laughs> Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So my question, going back to Mark 11, because in Mark 11, this is what it says. Remember, remember what we were dealing with on, on the praying part? Not the saying part. Not verse 24. I mean, not verse 23, but verse 24. You with me? Mark 11, 24. What were we dealing with? Therefore, I say to you, remember, he had already talked about saying to the stuff. And if you believe it and don't doubt, it'll do what you ask, right? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, what are you asking when you pray? Father, if I come across demonic spirits, I ask in accordance with your will that when I speak to them, they leave and they leave that person. Father, if I come across sickness in somebody's life, I pray that as I use faith, that you cast that sickness out and it's gone. See, that's how he was praying. But that's not how he prayed for the person when he got there. That was how he was praying to the Father. But when he saw it, he wasn't praying to the Father anymore. He already had. Now he was saying to the mountain on behalf of the Father as the Father's agent on the earth, the body of Christ. You see, he had done his praying. Now what's the key to that though? It's in Mark eleven twenty four. You ready? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. Believe you receive them. What did we just learn from John 5, 14 and 15? We know that if he hears us, we have what we've asked for if it's in line with his will. That's why I said a minute ago, and I'm sure people that didn't understand would get upset. Don't even pray if you don't know his will. Get his will first. Get his will first. Then you can know. Don't you want to know that you've heard, been heard so you know you receive? And that's so foreign to people that are in the body of Christ and yet the word of God clearly says it. There's no other translation for it. If you know he heard you, you know you have it. And you got people praying. You got preachers still teaching people to pray. Oh, I just, you know, we just pray that if, if you can. or if it, And if you can, that sounds like the, the guy whose son had the epileptic spirit. If you can help, please do. If it be your will, please do. So sad. So how do you know? It says, it says, therefore, believe you receive. How do you believe? I'm going to tell you something, guys. You make a choice. Hebrews 11 talks about faith. It's like the faith chapter, the beginning there. And, and what it says is, by faith we know that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, you can try to break that down any way you want to. I'm going to tell you there's only one way ultimately to break that down. By faith we know. It doesn't mean faith gives you some kind of tremendous insight into the inner workings of God. That's not what that's saying. It says that if you have faith, you make a decision that you know that that's what happened because God said it. That's what it means. By faith, you know that what God says is true. You use faith. 
I know that the worlds were formed or framed by the word of God. How do you know? Faith. How do you know that God's going to give you what you ask? Because it's in line with his will, and he told me to believe it. He said, if I believe it and don't doubt, I'll receive it. So I will receive it. Amen? Amen? There's one last thing, so hang on to your hat. One last thing you have to know. He deals with it in verse 25, because this will break it all down. And a lot of people, some in the room, are struggling with these things. And the last thing is getting you. You're not walking in love towards somebody or something or some relationship or something. It's out of whack and it's blocking you from receiving the rest. And this comes down to honoring headship in all the different cases. This comes down to honoring your love for your brother, putting them before yourself, whatever it may be, okay? Forgiving people in your life. But if you don't believe that will block you, Jesus is teaching you how to receive in the kingdom of God, and the last thing he deals with is that. So, no, he's serious. Look at what he says. Because he goes right into it. That break there is for us. It's not in the real manuscript. Between verse 24 and 25, he keeps right on going. This is what he says. And whenever you stand praying and have anything against anyone, have anything against anyone, forgive him. so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespass. You see, if your Father's not forgiving you, He's not hearing you. Can you hear me? You've been blocked. If your Father's not hearing you, you're not getting an answer. Jesus puts this in there so we don't fail, so we don't get two parts of a three-part program right and then fall short in the third part. Because he really doesn't want anybody to fall short. It's like a teacher. A lot of times you think they're trying to make the test hard to block you. They're really not. They're really trying to help you learn the material so you can go far. And that's what Jesus is really trying to do. He's not trying to make it hard. He's really trying to give me all the steps to say, just do them and it will work. Just do them and it will work. Just do them and it will work. Assuredly, I say unto you. That's what he said. Right? If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. And that will block you. So don't be blocked. Remember what Apostle Paul taught us in Galatians 5, 6. I think it is. It's 5, 6. I want to read it real quick. These two things are important. I don't want to throw them away. They're very important that you know they're out of Scripture. So I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to throw them away. Let me read it right quick. Galatians 5, 6. Man, to get to the right place here. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith working through love. The praying and the saying require belief without doubt. That's faith. But they only work through love. They won't work outside of love. He echoes this too. Last thing. In 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse, right before he goes into the love chapter, he had just been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which bring the blessing of God in our life in, in chapter 12. When he gets done, this is how he ends it. You ready? He's been talking about all the gifts and all the great things and all the blessings and everything. He says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts. Then he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. What he's saying is, it's really the only way. 
And then he discusses love in the whole next chapter and how only three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. So you see, there has to be praying and saying, but it has to come through love. If we get the praying right and pray and really believe, and then we speak and declare and don't doubt, and we're doing it in love, the kingdom of God will manifest in everybody in this room in amazing ways. Everybody in this room. Amen.